I, I can remember when they announced Moon River. Look, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I've got a Moon River poster up in my office at City Hall. Everybody's been buzzing about that on Tuesday was released, Tuesday, the third week of March, for the Moon River Festival that is coming to Coolidge Park in September. Now, this is a festival that was in Memphis originally for two or three, maybe four years, and kind of Americana roots, uh, maybe a, a little bit of bluegrass here and there, but more Americana, but it's coming to Coolidge Park. The announcement of the lineup was this past Tuesday on the 20th, and it is pretty damn good. Now, it depends. If you're not into this kind of music, then you don't think this is that good. I mean, getting mixed uh, kind of thoughts on this. Oh, that's boring. Yeah, that's, that's, that looks awesome if you want to take a nap. Listen, I get it. You might not be your thing, but if it is, it's a big deal. But just be a real festival, damn it. For once, can we just have a real festival? That's all I'm asking for. I travel for this stuff all the time. I don't know exactly how to plan it, but I know it's like hell when I find one that's good, and I sure as hell know one when it sucks. What the hell is that? Stone on air coming up. Completely unsanctioned by the church. Stone on air. Whatever, let's just do this. Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Give human beings opportunity, and you'll be absolutely shocked with what people do with it. Stone on air coming up. Stone on air. Welcome in, everybody. How are you on this Wednesday, the 31st of January? Just like that, snap your fingers, and one month is gone. For the uninitiated or those who don't remember when you hear the diddly diddly, that's from Wayne's World, and that's when we go back in the past. The very first voice you heard was Tim Kelly, which you'll hear more of here shortly. And the other was me from this show six years ago, almost to the month, when Moon River first came to town and now it's gone. I say gone, that's not a guarantee yet. We don't know that, but eh, most of us think that. And I will get uh, deep into that. Actually, today, just a little bit of a, you know, heads up here. A lot of festival talk, a lot of music talk on today's show. I hope you don't mind. I'll just lay it out for you right now, really quick, as a matter of fact. In the uh, second segment of the show, I am now going to be a regular contributor. I've been a occasional contributor on the What Podcast that is devoted to initially Bonnaroo specifically, but now music festivals across the board with a heavy emphasis on Bonnaroo. And Tim Kelly joined us this week. So right now, actually, as you're listening to this, the brand new What Podcast is available as well. So you can hear the entire conversation that we had with uh, Tim, and you will hear hear excerpts of that conversation in the second segment of the show, primarily talking about the Moon River Festival and its quote-unquote hiatus. And in the final segment of the show, just a quick rundown, a look at the, uh, the landscape of this year's festival season and what does this mean, the Moon River news here, and nationally, is this uh, going to be a trend? It seems to kind of be, but not necessarily. So that'll be the last two-thirds of the show. And uh, so there you go. If that's something you're into, look forward to, to having you around the whole show. Or if for some reason you're not into that, which I get it, and you bail out, that's totally cool as well. My name is Brian. This is a Stone on Air podcast. I do this every single 
Wednesday, or at least that's the goal, and generally that goal is met. Going on my now eighth year, as that was March of 2018 on the Open there when we got this announcement, and Riverbend was still struggling with the old festival version, the carnival version, the county fair version, and they were trying to revamp, and they did it terribly. And so when this festival was announced in in the spring of, of 18, Many of us were just over the moon, pardon the, is that a pun? Whatever. Pardon the whatever that is. Um, We were excited as we could be, and it had a nice little run here in town, and it likely is moving on, or at least we'll get into that conversation here in just a little bit. I want to thank Lee Brock for being the presenting sponsor of the show, 653-2491, Lee at lindabrockhomes.com for all your real estate needs. So let's do uh, the open here and move quickly. As per usual, a lot to get to. I won't have any uh, just throwaway audio pieces for you this week because I want to get to a little bit of Weston Womp audio and, yes, some more lookouts talk. Now, real quick before I even get to this, I, I want to uh, at least let you know that I might understand where the exha- exhaustion and the fatigue of this story might be getting to some of you, and I apologize if that's the case. It's just it. I find it to be a fascinating and interesting story, and that's why I continue to, quote-unquote, cover it. When I was at the talk station in 2007, 2006, 7, 8, 9, somewhere around in there when Volkswagen was announced it was coming to town, I was very skeptical of that uh, move and all the tax breaks and all the the money that was going in to that investment. And um, I would have, if, if you were to go back and look at some or hear some of the things I was saying, which I, I don't have that anymore, it, I would look somewhat foolish. And, but outside of that, my, my point for bringing it up was, is that I would, every time I had the opportunity, every time I had a microphone that I could talk into, which was pretty regularly, I was so frustrated with the, Chattanooga Times Free Press. I've always been a a fan of that paper, but I was so frustrated that every single day there was a front cover story about something that had to do with Volkswagen. And this went on for seemingly years. Now, it probably wasn't years, but it was a very, very long time. And I remember I had a count and I might have even made it up partially because I didn't look at the paper every single day, but I damn near did. And I was like, day 1032 of VW on the front page. Like, enough already, Times Free Press. We get it. And then shortly after that was a financial crisis. Nobody could b- borrow any money. Nobody was buying homes. Nobody was buying cars. And I was like, hey, wow, what a great time to invest in the auto industry, Ron Littlefield, our uh, our city mayor at the time, and Claude Ramsey, our county mayor at the time. And I was just totally wrong. But I was like, is there really a front page story every day on this? And that's kind of what I'm doing here with, with the lookout story. The All the votes are going to be next week during the record period of this show. So I can almost guarantee you it'll be a lookouts financing South Broad District free show next week. It's not an ironclad guarantee, but uh, the chances are it probably won't be. But a few things here. Gas prices just as there's no reason why they go down so fast here recently, they're back up 11 cents in a week. Now, what's the difference between last week and this week? There is none. 
There is no difference. Nothing's changed. But uh, it's still rather cheap here in the, well, you know, relatively cheap here in the city of Chattanooga. I filled up uh, two days ago for about two sixty-five, and with my 15 cents off, it was right at two fifty at Food City. As I've always said, as long as gas stays in around the two fifty range, I'm going to be okay. Um, saw this today, and this is a bummer because I used to go there a lot uh, because I used to really be into art, drawing, and creating visual arts. I never was very good at it, but I knew if I put my mind to it, I could be. And I took some classes, some um, graphic design classes at Chattanooga State 20-some-odd years ago, and art creations on Fraser Avenue. For once on the show today, we won't be talking about Fraser Avenue other than art creations is closing here in a matter of days or weeks or very, very soon, so they are liquidating. That store was a paradise for anybody into the visual arts, drawing, creating, framing, uh, mat cutting, um, you know, just name it, they had it. And um, I used to go to that store a lot. Haven't been in, you know, damn near 20 years since I was in school, I guess, but they are closing. Another closing from the last couple of weeks that kind of came out of nowhere, the Cherry Street is that what it's called? Yeah, Cherry Street Brewing Company, which took over the Heaven and Ale space on the North Shore. And Heaven and Ale wasn't there very long either, and the building is relatively new, so um, I'm not sure what the deal is with that other than the oversaturation of these crappy breweries and these terrible beers that they make. I don't know if Cherry Street Brewing made good beer or not, but they're from Atlanta. And then of about the same time frame that that's opening... The Cherry Street Tavern, owned by my guys, the Bohannons, Matt and uh, Marty. And I, I, they both run it together. I don't know who actually owns the building. I think it, or the company, or the the restaurant, the bar, I should say. I think it's more Marty, but it could be Matt. They might be 50-50. I don't know. But they had the Cherry Street Tavern, which is actually located on Cherry Street. What a concept. What an idea. And then across the river was a Cherry Street Brewing Company, which was not on Cherry Street, and not from Chattanooga, and clearly was not a very good idea as they as they close their door. Now, speaking of crappy breweries and um, crappy radio station, I haven't really spoke of a crappy radio station. Well, I did mention talk radio one two point three. So yeah, speaking of crappy radio stations as well, ninety nine X has a craft beer launch going on this weekend down in Atlanta. I don't even know where. I don't care. I just know it's on Roswell Road in the Sandy Springs area. And I, my stepbrother used to live right around there, so I know exactly how to get there. I didn't even bother to look to see what it is. My guy, David Lowry, I was talking about Cracker last week and how I was uh, uh, given the compliment that the music that I make with my friends sounds a lot like the band Cracker. Well, David Lowry is going to be playing a free show, the lead singer, the main songwriter for the band, in Atlanta on Saturday. So if you need me, that's where you can find me. Um... This sad story, but, you know, life well lived in a very honorable uh, man who was honored just at the end of last year. Captain Larry Taylor passed away this week. He got the Medal of Honor at the end of uh, last year at the White House. Both our mayors, county and city, Weston and Tim were there. And uh, that is uh, unfortunate, 81 years old and lived a very, 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 a uh, seemingly fulfilling and honorable life. Uh, let's see. The petitions that the Hemp House are doing to try to stop these laws from potentially bankrupting them and the entire hemp industry here in the state of Tennessee, 
they're taking those to Nashville on February 6th. And I meant to go this past weekend. I didn't make it. I'm going to go this week. I don't know if other hemp shops in town are doing this, but if they're not, they should be. And Hemp House is. So if you would like to fill out an, a, a petition, sign one, I think you can do it electronically or you can just go by one of their four. I believe there's four locations. I know there's Eastridge, there's Tremont Street, there's Ulawa, and there's Hickson, I think. Anyway, plenty of opportunities to do that if you would like to. I think this is important. I really, really do. Not just because it's a product that I like. It's because it's a product that a lot of people like, and it helps a lot of people. Um, and, you know, I get it if if the people who, who are against it, I, I get where they're coming from. But they are going to hand-deliver those in Nashville on February 6th. Uh, I just got wind of this. This is not local stuff. Uh, I'm pretty much done with anything I was going to do here before I get into the lookouts. Uh, Pearl Jam has a new record coming out in April. Oh, my God. Happy birthday to me. Uh, it seems like it falls like this a lot over the last 25, 30 years. Maybe it's just been recently that I'm thinking of it because it was in 2020 that they released everything in the spring and then the whole world shut down. But I'm hearing a new album and a new song, a new single release on the 13th of this month, which means there will be a tour, most likely in the fall. And if they hit Madison Square Garden in New York, I've already hit up you-know-who, my asshole friend Brad Steiner, who is an asshole, but he's also the best guy ever. Love you, Brad. And gets the best access to everything. I will be seeing you, New York, later this year. Come on now, Pearl Jam. Don't skip the garden the one time I have the opportunity to go with potentially amazingly preferred access. So my year just got way better. If we can just get the temps to warm up a little bit more over the next month and a half or so, get some baseball going, get this football season over with, and then get ready for a Pearl Jam tour, maybe. We'll see. I think it's going to happen. Actually, I know it's going to happen. I just, I don't, I haven't been given the exact details, and I know I don't have an advanced copy on the song or the album, even though I have pushed for that. He doesn't trust me with that, he, which he probably shouldn't, because I would, gloat and tell people about it all right let's do this um so the latest here is this is just kind of funny i'll just do this for about five minutes here and wrap up this segment so last week weston does the town hall on this subject the funding for the stadium and how it's so crazy out of uh out of whack from where it started and he's not wrong but the city mayor, Tim Kelly, was not invited to this. That's what I was told. He wasn't there, and I was told he wasn't invited. Well, yesterday, there was a kind of thrown together really quickly because I only found about, out about it the day it was happening, or I would have tried to have gone down there. At the site, at the Wheel and Foundry site, there was a press conference that Tim and Rich Mazingo from The Lookouts and others from Hardball Capital and others from Premier Properties and uh, the... What's his name? I don't have it in front of me this exact moment. The head of the uh, county commission that Weston is really pissed off at right now. Eversol, I believe is his name. They were all there for this announcement that they've reworked the numbers. And I'll, you know, I'm not going to bore you with all those numbers. If you want to know, you can go find them. But Weston wasn't invited to that. Oh, God. How great is that? That is so awesome. <laughs> that is so good. The, the mayor fights. 
the hatred that these two have for each other that they will not admit out loud, and hate might be the wrong word, but the strong annoyance and dislike between the two is fabulous, and I'm here for it. And it's going to go on for years, and it's going to make this show better. Uh, any costs that exceed $112 million will be absorbed by Hardball Capital as one of the concessions made. Officials expect the Chattanooga City Council and the commission that they will be voting on this next week, so a week from right now, Tuesday and Wednesday next week. That's why you probably won't hear anything about it because I won't have anything on it at that point. Uh, this is from the the Womp side, Boondoggle. This is a quote from Weston. We invited Commissioner Eversall to speak at the Taxpayer Town Hall, the one that Tim Kelly was not invited to, last week about the increased cost of the South Broad Stadium. Instead of accepting our invitation to listen to his own constituents about a better deal, we now know Eversall was cutting a deal with the lobbyist and city mayor to barely improve this boondoggle. Um goes on to talk about a whole bunch of stuff. I won't bore you with all of it. The splitting of the naming rights is a big hang-up for uh, Weston, and, um, and including the cost of high-end and unnecessary features. Sorry, bro. The days of playing in a boring bells-and-whistle-less stadium are over. There's a lot of money going into this, and it, it very my expectations are extraordinarily high, and I say, if you're going to do it, do it. Um, Eversall, the head of the commission, says if he, that's Womp, wants to get political, that's okay. If he wants to stay on the outside, that's also okay. We hope he comes to the table and helps us with some of the smaller details of the project. And this I grabbed off of the Hamilton County official Twitter uh, uh, feed, which is run by Weston. It, it might uh, seem like it's a, a county-based uh, social media account, it's not. It's it's Weston's uh, kind of bullhorn that doesn't have his exact name on everything. But this is where I found this audio, and I'll go ahead and give the credit. It, speaking of crappy radio stations, this was Weston on with Talk Radio um, about a week ago. It's just a tough reality of a big project like this and other tax abatements that when you commit this amount of tax dollars to one project, which means they're not going into the big pot. We all contribute to this big pot. Well, I mean, the problem is when you say, okay, we're not going to have those guys contribute to the pot. We're going to take their money and only put it towards a stadium. The pot just gets smaller in future years. And that does inevitably lead to a tax increase at some point. I can't tell you what year. I can't tell you that I'll be the county mayor. I can tell you I'm going to try to hold off as long as I can. I came into office saying that. You know, in the summer of 2022, they said, hey, we're going to extend this TIF to help pay for the stadium. That's great on the one hand, but that's growth in the property tax base that would normally allow us to avoid a tax increase in future years that's coming out of the big pot. I thought, it was, I thought it was only fair to just play some Western audio. It's kind of hard for me to care anything that this guy says when 10 years ago all he wanted to do was be a part of Hardball Capital and build a new stadium and be part of the Lookouts, and when they turned him down, he's been making life hard on them since. It's kind of hard for me to really care what he has to say. Here's some other stuff that he released. It says, what's being said? Hamilton County Schools will receive $186 million through this deal. The reality, the number is over 30 years and based on rosy economic assumptions that have since been changed to justify the increased cost of the stadium. One of those assumptions includes development of retail space at the foundry equivalent to half of Hamilton Place Mall. Another, what's being said? A private sector loan is, quote-unquote, skin in the game. 
the reality. In other stadium deals, Harbaugh Capital has negotiated. They contributed roughly 20% of the project's upfront cash. We've talked about that on this show plenty. In Chattanooga, taxpayers are repaying the private sector with interest on a private loan that will require $109 million in tax revenue. What's being said? From the public taxpayer standpoint, the deal has not significantly changed since it was overwhelmingly approved by the city council and commission in August of 22. The reality, because of the increased cost, 132.3 132.3 million more tax dollars are going into the project. The 40 million dollar loan developers are fronting will be repaid with interest from tax proceeds, thus driving up taxpayer contributions by 95%. And one more here it says what's being said. Inflation is to blame for all the increased cost. I don't no one said inflation is the only reason. That's not true. Anyway, they say again this is coming from the county and Weston. The reality is Taxpayers have not been shown what value engineering efforts have been taken to keep the cost down. However, there are several bells and whistles that could be paid for by the team as they have in their other stadiums. And that's just political back and forth argument. And we all know Weston operates from an adversarial approach of everything he does. It's all he's done since he's been in office. It's all he's done really pretty much all his whole life. If you paid attention to anything he's ever done. And that's just how he operates. Tim Kelly might be doing some of that himself and Eversol, Sorry, I don't have his first name in front of me right now from the commission. He's, you know, getting in bed with the city as opposed to the county because he's probably a little turned off by asshole Weston Wump like we all are. All right. That's all I got for you right now. We'll see where all this goes, but it looks like it's a done deal. Speaking of the city mayor, Tim Kelly, he was on for a solid hour with me, Barry Corder, and Lord Taco on the What Podcast, which you can find as soon as you get done listening to this show. Go find the What Podcast, and you can hear the full hour-long conversation. But for now, I will boil it down to a couple of simple questions. Is Moon River leaving? Why are they leaving? And if they are leaving, where are they going? I won't have specific answers to those questions, but a better idea after we hear from the city mayor, Tim Kelly, coming up next. Stoneonair.com. Well, I'm looking at my email right now, as a matter of fact, at my invitation to meet Judge Alex McVeigh. Linda Brock and Lee Brock invite you to an event in support of Alex McVeigh for Circuit Court. That is actually tonight. I think that is an invite only. I don't know that for sure, so I'm not telling you. Come on down to Real Estate Partners location on Main Street tonight. I don't think uh, I have that executive privilege to do that, but I do know that many people, including the Brocks and Lee Brock, a supporter of this show financially here in the new year in 2024, and many others that I trust are firmly behind the election of Judge McVeigh to Hamilton County Circuit Court. So you vote for wherever you want, however you want. And for all your real estate needs, my guy Lee will take care of you. Give him a ring, 653-2491, or an email at lee at lindabrockhomes.com. Now back to more Stone On Air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Stoneonair.com. What I also wanted to say around our identity, our musical identity, is that it is frustrating. You guys get it as, as well as anybody that Memphis is a blues, Nashville's country, right? Upper East Tennessee's bluegrass. What the hell is Chattanooga? 
and and trying to figure out a way the in between right yeah, right but i mean try selling that in an elevator right i mean <laughs> i mean chattanooga has this really cool funky i always think about old bruce hampton the aquarium rescue unit right this weird fusion vibe uh musical scene but it lacks a meme right it lacks a simple way to express i would love for that to just sort of bubble to the surface but i think it may need a little help to bubble it to the surface because i think if we can do a better job of encapsulating it we can do a better job of selling it yeah i'm walking kind of funny and the aforementioned bruce hampton and the aquarium rescue unit I would go out on a limb to say there's not another southeastern mayor that's going to reference Colonel Bruce Hampton and his band, the Aquarium Rescue Unit. Say what you will about the guy as far as how taxes are spent or how he handles Frazier Avenue or other issues of the city. We got a pretty damn cool mayor. (laughs) We just do. And yes, of course, I'm biased. He's a friend. And I will always be an apologist, no doubt. But I give him some, you know, shit too. This Lookout thing has not been done very well and was rushed. And I have been very vocal about that. So he gets it. Tim understands this stuff. But Moon River is a dunzo, as they say. At least that's what most of us think. At first, I entertained the idea that this was legitimately just a hiatus or a pushing pause. Um, And then after thinking about it, having some conversations, reading some Reddit uh, posts and other social medias, it becomes pretty clear that this is not probably what that is uh they want to grow they want to be bigger if they even are a thing anymore Uh, it's not guaranteed that they will be uh riverbend's doing the same thing now riverbend and moon river on two different planets as far as where their funding comes from how the festivals are organized who's involved they're really not i mean they're comparable in a way but not enough that it matters to what one's doing as opposed to to the others. From the Chattanooga Times Free Press, I won't read much of it. Moon River canceled for 2024. Sue Marcus, who we've dealt with from the What Podcast regularly, she's a sweetheart, a publicist for Holcomb and the festival, said there will be no further comment until organizers are ready to announce plans for 2025. In an email, co-founder Paul Steele, I believe his name is Paul, I know the last name is Steele anyway, uh, his only comment was, quote-unquote, very hopeful for 2025. The uh, management company C3 Presents, owned by Live Nation, did not immediately respond to an email. And that has who has that's who's gobbled up AC Entertainment, Superfly, all those names that you've likely heard at some point over the years. They are now just entities underneath the wide umbrella that is C3 and Live Nation. And so what, here's a couple of quick thoughts before I get to this audio from from Tim, and it was a great hour of uh, conversation, and I do implore you to check out the What Podcast, and uh, thanks to them, Barry and Russ, for uh, allowing me to use this on, on this show. But I immediately realized quickly that this is similar to a lot of other events and things we've had in the city, or at least one in particular, 
because when I was I was the one who told broke the news to the distributor here, the the beer distributor that I work for that has been the distributor the entire time. It was kind of like, uh, okay, cool. Well, now I can make other plans for September. We didn't make a whole lot of money off of this. And especially with the explosion of, of the inflation and the inflated prices of festivals, we really weren't. I mean, we wanted it because of name recognition, of public engagement, all those kinds of things. But in the end, did we really make any money off of it? Was it really worth our time? The answer was kind of, eh, I mean, no one said it wasn't. No one said no, but that was the vibe. That was a feeling that I got. It's the same thing that happened with Riverbend 20 years ago when Miller and Coors had the the beer contract for Riverbend until about 2004, and then Budweiser got it back. And at the time, I remember this, that we were like, oh, my God, we're losing Riverbend. And then it wasn't long after, and everybody was like, thank God, we don't have to deal with Riverbend anymore. Now I'm talking about 2004 Riverbend, a different lifetime ago when that was not, it was still a very viable uh, thing here in the city. And we realized that, you know, let Budweiser spend all this money. Let them lose their ass and, and, and have to work all their employees crazy amounts of hours and pay them all this overtime. And is it really worth it? And the same kind of thing happened with the 1AA, as we used to call it, National Championship game, or the FCS game that we had here at Finley Stadium from 1997 to 2009. One of my favorite events ever. It was a family event. Me and my 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 dad and my stepmom and my brothers and you know if anybody was in town for over the holidays, all my friends, it was our big it was our Christmas party for that matter, I guess if you want to call it that. It was a tradition and it was so much fun and we loved it so much and we all thought, meaning we as a collective city thought that that game was really important to us. And when we lost the game, it wasn't long later. I think Merrill Eckstein had moved on as the president. I think Frank Burke was in at that point of the, the city council sports committee, whatever it was called at the time. And it started doing the numbers and thought, you know what? We, meaning we as a city, are doing just fine without this game. And the resources and the time and the money that went into making this thing at least a semblance of successful turned out to be a drain and a drag and we have not missed that game since and while I miss it just from my fond memories of it you know most people don't even remember that it was even here to begin with now is that the case here with Moon River maybe uh, possibly it's not a Chattanooga thing there is no river that's called Moon River I don't think there's even one in Memphis called Moon River that's where it started now it came here. Now it's going to move on somewhere else. And so we'll just, I'll jump right here into it and then I'll just give my thoughts as we go along here. And I want to thank Tim for spending a, a, a good solid hour with us over the past weekend. And uh, again, the whatpodcast.com and uh, at the what podcast, just search it, you'll find it for all your festival conversation needs. So we'll start here with the first one. First of all, hold on. Let me pull it up here. My bad, my bad, my bad. All right, there it is. The first one here is just Mary Kelly's thoughts on the festival pausing. And if they were to leave, could we do some kind of local showcase 
of sorts. I will say this. A, we hope that they come back. I'm not sure that they would come back to that spot, which which I think is uh, disappointing. I, I will see, but I think part of it is capacity. I mean, they want to be able to see more people in there, and we can only really support 10, 12,000 people in there. Uh, so this gets back to kind of the economics of festivals. However, right, I, I think uh, I can tell you behind the scenes, we're, we're talking to some folks about trying to stand up something local uh, because the consolidation of the festival business isn't helpful to any of this either. So, you know, look, I mean, we definitely want to get Men River back. We're going to work really hard to get it back. But in the meantime, you know, we're going to try to use this year to uh, to showcase local artists and smaller artists and, and do something ourselves. Well, that's a really good intention and a, and a yeah nice, neat little idea. I don't have a lot of faith in that. Um, I mean, Main Times 24 has kind of become our city's party, and it took 10 years before anybody even blinked an eye at Main Times 24. It started in 2007. I went the first year in 07 and thought, what the hell's a big deal with this nonsense? It was even a few years after that before I started to take it seriously. And it was a solid decade before it turned into the huge party that it is. So we'll see. Um, a lot of rumors on all the socials was that Moon River is going to Huntsville. And I knew no numbers, no uh, inside information about this other than what I was seeing on um, on socials or another rumor was maybe they would move across the river to where Riverbend used to uh, set up shop, which I didn't believe for a second, but it's still potentially, I guess, an idea. Here's Tim's initial thoughts on uh, potentially going to Huntsville. Huntsville, um, you know, unfortunately, has kind of changed the game because the, as as uh, the mayor, Mayor Battle tells me all the time, like they're kind of ashamed of their last name, as it were. And they have to work really hard to get to change Huntsville's image and bring in a lot of that technical and engineering talent that they need to run the giant military industrial complex that is Huntsville. And so they've changed the game and that they are willing to write checks, put up money, do guarantees to, to bring festivals down there. Uh, we've never done that. We've never really been asked to do that i'm not sure that there's a political appetite in order to do that well right i could promise you there's not a political appetite for it right now and we didn't like lobby for moon river they kind of came to us that was a drop in your lap kind of situation and it, it worked well and i thought from the time i got here that the the days were numbered on um on how long that the festival would be here and it turns out that that initial thought of mine was correct. More thoughts on Huntsville here. I mentioned uh, uh, my experience in Huntsville was really quite positive and fun. The few times that I've been there for shows over the years, it's been a long time now, and the city's changed a lot since then, but I thought it was a pretty cool town. Tim speaks to that and the potential of a very specific kind of venue that we could use in the city of Chattanooga. I've got good friends down there. And again, the mayor and I are, are close and, and we, we share a lot of information, but trust me, it's not nearly as cool a city as Chattanooga. It's not nearly as, uh, and it's not as walkable, but they, you know, look, they, I think, correctly see this, um, which which we definitely need to learn from as a teachable moment. They see it strictly as an economic development tool. You know, when they're trying to recruit talent to the Huntsville, that, and the mayor's told me directly, that's the number one thing, right? And their amphitheater there has been transformative in that respect. We need a larger venue. We And we knew, we know we need like a five, six, seven thousand seat boutique amphitheater. We need that. That is what's missing from our music, uh, live music ecosystem. So put a pin in the amphitheater thing. I'll come back to that in a minute. I did like the little dig at the Weston Womp types 
that uh, we could use Huntsville as a teachable moment as far as uh, putting uh, county and city funds into stadiums and TIFs and uh, economic development. Also, we will circle back around to that here in just a few. But did we do anything wrong as a city? Were there demands? Were there, or let's just call them requests, from the organizers, from C3, from Live Nation, or AC Entertainment before the consolidation. Did Chattanooga mess this one up? That this is nothing that we've done or haven't done. I do think it's an industry thing. And and look, uh, again, one thing that's happened between then and now is that AC has been acquired by Live Nation. And I look, I, I do think that uh, we need more competition, uh, free and fair competition. I'm not the first person, uh, obviously, to suggest that <laughs> there's some issues around the lack of competitiveness in this space. Live Nation has done a great job of rolling up a lot of these, uh, uh, a lot of this business. But that ha- that and that comes with probably some benefits, but it also comes with some some real downsides. And so, you know, it, it just changes the bargaining power between local, any local place and, you know, where they choose to do their thing. Well, that's how Tim put it. Instead of saying Live Nation is goddamn evil, which I wouldn't expect him to say, but uh, most of us festival goers and music fans are not a fan of Live Nation. They make Ticketmaster the once hated evil empire that they were and only are not anymore because Live Nation gobbled them up long ago. Kind of makes them feel like a charitable entity the way Live Nation operates these days. Uh, Tim talks about the economic impact of a local music festival in the state of Tennessee. And the question was, can we bring another festival here or does it have to organically be created? One of the surprising beneficiaries of this is actually the state of Tennessee. People, a lot of people don't realize that if you kind of x-ray our sales tax rate, the big winner when we sell a hot dog is the state. Out of nine and a quarter percent local sales tax of that goes straight up the pipe to Nashville, straight away. And so that's that's a relevant part of the conversation. And and you you can make it happen. It's if you want to dig in your pocket and go spend a million bucks to incentivize somebody in or guarantee that they'll make X number of dollars, which essentially is what Huntsville's doing. But look, I would much rather see us grow something from the bottom up than to just kind of try to do some store-bought BS and and make it happen from the top down. Yeah, and I agree with that. And one of the points I made before uh, on the the What podcast earlier was that not all cities, or certainly mid-sized to smaller cities, or even some of the larger ones, have music festivals. You don't just get one because you want one. And sometimes they have to organically come together. Back to that amphitheater discussion. Um, I talked about how hearing about this amphitheater idea has been going on since I was a child, quite literally. In the mid-90s, I remember hearing about uh, the amphitheater, and before that, it was the high-speed rail. And to me, there were just big dreams that were never going to happen. I'd go to an amphitheater in Nashville, Atlanta, and other cities and be like, oh my God, what it would be like to have one of these? And I just assumed it's absolutely positively never going to happen. Well, here's part of the problem we've got, and this extends well beyond issues around live entertainment, is that Chattanooga is a mid-sized city in a tough position, and we are not as big or as wealthy as an Atlanta or a Nashville or even a Huntsville. I mean, Huntsville on a per capita basis is a much wealthier place. And so it has had kind of a depression era mentality, kind of a loser's limp, honestly, of like, oh, that's bullshit. It's never going to happen. I mean, there are good reasons people don't buy tickets early. Like, again, in the aggregate, it's not a well 
wealthy community. And that changes people's mindset, right? I mean, you're seeing this stuff play out now around the stadium debate, right? People, I mean, back to the aquarium. If you go back and read the newspapers around 1990, people thought the aquarium was a terrible idea, right? That'll never happen. That's the stupidest idea I've ever heard. And I'm not mad about it, but it's just one of those people had had like Charlie Brown had had the football pulled away from him a thousand times, right? And so that mindset lingers on. But I'll be damned, you know, as a mayor, if I'm going to say, oh, well, the hell with it, right? I'm, I mean, that's just a dumb mindset. I, I do think we can get rail service, and I do think uh, that we can uh, figure out a way to build an empathy. When Tim talks about this not being a wealthy city, I know there are going to be some people listen to this and kind of scratch your head and think, really? Kind of seems like there's a lot of wealth around here, and they're really there isn't. It's very concentrated. It's a very 1% kind of an area. And really before 2007, we talk about this a little bit more in depth on the What Podcast, that before 2007 and Volkswagen and the explosion of, of and the gig and all that here now, this was a very kind of settled area, a very settled community that really didn't want to rock the boat ever, didn't want to invest in things that they were unsure about. We talked about, well, we've been talking about it for 25 years, the buying tickets day of, walk-up kind of city that doesn't work well for promoters. And that's because it's a it was a very not very wealthy area and and it still isn't in a lot of ways and and it is in others i guess in that way it just depends on who you ask the rail service conversation you know maybe but as far as the amphitheater goes i'll believe that when i see it as a lifelong resident I'm, I'm starting to sound like maybe the poor bumpkins he's alluding to. I don't believe there will ever be an amphitheater, at least not one that I'm used to. Hopefully, I'm wrong on that. Only two more here from the mayor. I tried to make a joke about you know not wanting to talk about TIFs, tax increment financing, and uh, thinking he'd probably just exhausted with that conversation because of all the stadium chatter. Total opposite reaction from our mayor when I brought that up. Well, no, I mean, we can't talk about TIFs because, I mean, look, TIFs are, it's really frustrating that we've never figured out a way to explain TIFs better to the public. I mean, part of it goes back to the basic cognitive bias mistake that somehow you can equate household finance with, with municipal finance, right? They're not the same thing. The thing about a TIF is the benefits of the stuff that you do in a TIF are paid for by the investment in the TIF. The taxpayers that are paying for it are the people who are buying property in that because as those property taxes rise, you're taking a percentage of the increment in that property tax to pay the debt service on the thing you've built, right? So it's it's the closest thing to bootstrapping or kind of alchemy. You can almost make two plus two equal five. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So they definitely work. Again, you want to see how they work? Go to Huntsville. Huntsville's done a number of them without a lot of controversy, by the way. And so it, it does come down to vision and getting away from that kind of crab pot mentality, that negativity, that glass half empty mentality, frankly, that has plagued this place for a long, long time. Yeah, that's Tim's way, a nice way of saying, listen, dumbasses, this works. I've been telling you all along this works. What is a TIF real quick? Tax incremental or tax increment financing. Uh, the first TIF was used in California in 1952. This is just from the wiki. And I got to thinking, I wonder what they use that TIF for in 1952. Oh, when did Disneyland, when was it created? Oh, 1955. Would you like to think that that's probably where that empire started was with the first TIF in California. By 2004, all U.S. states 
states except Arizona had authorized the use of TIFFs. And uh, this model has been heavily criticized by libertarian conservative groups and left-wing progressive groups. Of course, those types never know what they want to be for or against, depending on the political election cycles. And the final one from... Uh, our mayor, Tim Kelly, earlier I had talked about, I believed that uh, the Drew Holcomb would move this festival in a heartbeat if he got a better deal. And I've been saying that since the jump, since day one. And Barry Quarter, the uh, host of the What Podcast, asked him to handicap it. What's he think? What are the chances that we lose forever the moon river festival ah man that's a tough one because i think that i mean there's a lot of that stuff to tap you know it's not within our control you know they got a lot of places they could plop that thing down to to brian's point and who knows you know it's kind of like i can in fact it's exactly like economic development like i work with the chamber all the time on these big projects you know is this thing going to go here is it going to go to south carolina is it going to go to kentucky it's a poker game right and how much do you want to uh how hard do you want to you know bend over backwards to make it happen it, it's it kind of is a bit of a math problem in that regard uh, so you know we'll see I, I would say it's probably a coin toss but you know if if not i will say if we don't then then we're going to figure out something else because not having a festival here is not an option that much is true and i told him i'm marking those words quote not having a music festival here in chattanooga is not an option and he said mark it down underline it in red highlight it and circle it it's not an option and uh, all of that also was a nice way of saying yeah the moon river festival days in chattanooga are very likely to guaranteed done and over with and it was a nice run it was a nice ride it was fun also the fact that it was so genre specific that it was only Americana, bluegrass, and that style of kind of, uh, you know, swaying to the music, kind of sleepy stuff, which I like. I, I'm a fan of. I've, I went to every Moon River, so it's 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 not like it. I didn't enjoy it, but there's only so far you can go with that. And maybe that's the same thing that Drew Holcomb and the owner, the founders, and and Live Nation are thinking. And maybe we can make this bigger, and we can add more to it, and we can put it somewhere else. And if that's what they do, that's perfectly fine with me we're going to be just fine here in the city but it does totally totally suck it really really sucks that we've lost two festivals in what four months or however long it's been since riverbend made their quote-unquote hiatus announcement which we all know that's not coming back and um we're not we're just sitting here you know waiting around to travel to other festivals and speaking of which there's one just up the road. You've likely heard of it by now, and if you follow me on socials, you've seen how excited I was when it was when it was announced in the last week. The Bourbon and Beyond Festival. That festival. Some other ones around. Bonnaroo haven't really talked about it all that much. And the landscape in general. Is this industry set for the long haul? And, um, and uh, just a closer look at specifically the Bourbon and Beyond Festival to wrap up today's show coming up next. So 
I'm on social media today like I am every day, just like you are, primarily Facebook, and the keyboard realtors are loud and proud, and many of them probably do very good work. I'm not trying to be a hater or a jerk or anything like that, but if you want no nonsense, if you want to get right down to brass tacks, as they say, and really just cut through all the clutter, then Lee Brock is who you want to start your real estate transactional journey with. Buying, selling, personal residence, vacation home, or adding to your personal portfolio of investment properties. He doesn't specialize in just one area. He specializes in all of it. And he's got great taste in local podcasting content, clearly. Lee Brock, give him a ring, 653-2491. Or you can just get things started with a simple email. Lee at lindabrockhomes.com. Stone on air. When you take a real close look at this lineup, it's kind of the perfect festival to take your dad to. However, there's plenty of names here that make this a truly original lineup in the festival space. First off, it is shocking that Neil Young isn't one of the top three artists here. What a slap in the face. The further you go down, though, you've got consistently amazing artists like My Morning Jacket, The War on Drugs, Fleet Foxes, Beck, and many more. For the younger crowd, though, you are not forgotten. Corey Wong is consistently one of the most fun and funky shows you can see in 2024. Milky Chance put on a great show, Lucius are stellar with their harmonies, and Arlo Parks is easily a future superstar in my eyes. Some real surprises, though, are the Bacon Brothers. Yes, Kevin Bacon and his brother absolutely rip in a live setting. KT Tunstall still has the hits, and the return of Sunny Day Real Estate makes me so happy. Overall, though, for the location of this festival, they absolutely knocked it out of the park with something that is truly original, and I know it's going to be a good time. Now, the Neil Young slander. More on that in a minute. This is David Lowry. Who sold the Arabs, the moon, they festered their flags with crescent Some of the best music that nobody's ever heard of. Can't wait for the show on Saturday at whatever crappy brewery it is in Atlanta. But yeah, a, a slap in the face that Neil Young is on the top. It wasn't the top three. He's the fourth name on the list. It is Bourbon and Beyond in um, Louisville. I almost said Lexington. In Louisville at the Expo Center. Now, I've never been to the city of Louisville. But from what I understand, the Expo Center is nowhere near all the cool parts of Louisville. And I, uh, I am bad about like the best show ever guys stuff I talk about oh, the overzealousness of the average person I'm also to, to blame a, a lot of that kind of stuff I get excited quickly and when this lineup was announced uh, the Bourbon and Beyond Festival last week I, I was like I'm going I'm going there's no chance I'm not going this is a guaranteed slam dunk absolutely I am going and you know I don't know am I going I, I, I don't know but it is a wonderful festival lineup. I will uh, get to uh, some of the highlights from it here in just a minute. But yeah, Neil Young, a slap in the face. What the hell is that guy talking about? And I did think, though, his first comments and what made me use the audio was, this is a great festival to take your dad to. And I think the reasoning for that is, first of all, it's going to have some music there that he likes. 
and it is a daily festival. There is a camping element to it. Uh, future episodes of the What Podcast in the next few weeks, uh, we talk to a guy who has been, I believe, more than once and had not a lot of really good things to say about it. And I had read online much of the same for the last few years. In 2022, the lineup was also stacked, Pearl Jam being one of them, and they were also Pearl Jam playing in Nashville. And so I was going to the Nashville show, the standalone Pearl Jam show, and I I wasn't going to drive up to, to Louisville for it. And so when I first saw this, I thought, okay, I've never been to Louisville. I need to go. I'm not really in the business of going to cities anymore more than once. I'm getting up there in age. I want to see as much and experience as much as possible. So this could be a way to go to Louisville, go to this cool festival, and it should be pretty awesome. Well, eh, it's not anywhere near downtown. It's um, based on the conversation we had with people who had been there and what I had read. There's a lot of issues with lines. Prices, of course, have skyrocketed. And um, this is a problem across the country. And that I believe Moon River was hurt by this a lot when they when they put their prices this past year, maybe the last two years, but certainly this past year, on par, you know, comparable to every major festival in the country. So a drink, a hot dog, a slice of pizza pie, whatever it is you're getting at Coachella, is the same price that it's costing you at Moon River. And that just doesn't feel right, especially in a community like the city of Chattanooga. And maybe I would say Louisville is probably a similar kind of community that we have here. Maybe not that maybe that's not true. I don't know because I've never been. But are music festivals in danger? Long term. And I think a lot of us have been thinking that for a, a while. I mean, several have gone by the wayside. Of course, Moon River, River Bend, Four Castle. That was the Louisville Festival that I heard so many great things about that's down on their waterfront that was a lot like River Bend, at least uh, logistically. And the good parts, from what I understand, it's gone. 10,000 Lakes years ago, gone. Langerado, gone. All good. Harvest Fest. These are all within a day's drive festivals. Maybe not 10,000 Lakes. It's up near the Great Lakes. But you get my point. And then there's the disasters that we all know about. There's the Fry. There's the uh, festival. The or, or not Fry. Excuse me. Fire spelled with a Y. There's the Tomorrow World, which was awful. Some of these have like Netflix documentaries. Of course, Woodstock '99. I had no reason to reset that. Um, Altamont in what 1968 with Hell's Angels. The Grateful Dead was playing at that. And people were getting stabbed and knifed and killed. Monterey Pop Festival was somewhat of a, a of a disaster, and all three Woodstocks, all three, not just '99, '94 was an absolute uh, wreck and a uh, public safety issue. Woodstock '69, the first one, of course, it was a terrible uh, financial disaster. It was uh, a public safety disaster, and what saved them was the movie, and then the aura and the the lore. Of it, I grew up idolizing everything about the Woodstock 1969, the first one. What did turn out to be mostly folklore. Uh, but if you go to this, I found this music festivals by the decade, and it goes through and 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 talks about a lot of these kinds of things. Music festivals are arguably one of the greatest cornerstones of youth culture. 
Online magazines reminisce about the first ever Woodstock Festival in 1969, and more than 32 million Americans, 14.7 million of them millennials, showed up to at least one music festival in the year 2017. Now, this is a very unofficial poll taken or survey of life-changing music festival experiences. And I am I know a lot of this Woodstock 69 stuff was just revisionist history. But 82% of people polled said that their life was changed because of that festival. Coachella, 63% of people polled said that there it was a life-changing moment attending that festival. Bonnaroo, 56% people said it was life-changing people who don't get it probably think that that's oh my god what a gross over exaggeration and hyper hyperbole of something that yeah okay fine maybe it's pretty cool i get it i i understand it going to uh, bonnaroo woodstock also woodstock 99 but bonnaroo in two and three and four in the first couple of years really was life-changing for me. I mean, I was at a t- I was at an age when life was changing consistently, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26. I mean, life was changing one way or another. And my experience with that festival was a big, big part of that. So I totally understand that. I'll get to the uh, Bourbon and Beyond uh, lineup here real quick. First, just a couple of these are written by young people. I believe they're both from college newspapers. I don't have the names or sources on it, but just the, the, the top paragraph of each. Summer festivals aren't what they used to be. Despite the recent rise in popularity of music festivals, repeated disasters and mishaps may be a sign they're in decline. Usually, you know what you're getting into with a music festival. You go. You spend 20 bucks on a tiny hot dog. You spend another $20 on water. You walk around aimlessly between three stages because TikTok has ruined your attention span. And you can't watch the same thing for more than five minutes. Again, young people, I, I can watch something for more than five minutes. But anyway, you demolish your shoes, lose your phone, and go home swearing you'll never go again. But somehow, you forget that sentiment by the time the pre-sale rolls around next March. This summer, however was different. And then a big anecdotal story. And then one more here. We don't talk about it. Music festival culture is dying. Before I went to the concerts of my favorite artists and bands, I went to music festivals. I remember impatiently waiting for the day when I would be old enough to finally go and experience everything I have been watching through my computer screens, the cheering crowds, the bright lights, and the endless hours of dancing and music as the sun set on the horizon. And then it goes on, more anecdotal stories about how it didn't turn out to be as great as they thought, especially after a few years of, uh, of experience here. And I'm, I think that that's a growing sentiment amongst all ages, young people, middle age, and certainly uh, people of, of middle age. Young people don't have the money to do a lot of these things, but... Bonnaroo's done an excellent job of this. Coachella maybe is the model of this, is that it's a rite of passage of youth culture. You have to go or you're not cool. And as a young person, not being cool is like the worst thing ever. So many of these festivals have been able to hang on to that. But Moon River's not a gotta go or you're not cool. Riverbend isn't a FOMO kind of thing. And so many of these others from Harvest Fest that I mentioned to 10,000 Lakes Langrado, these other ones that have been Forecastle, maybe it had a little cool factor. Probably did. I'm not sure. But all these things factor in. And once you realize that being cool can be done in a lot of different ways, 
are, is this really the way to do it? Bourbon and, be, and beyond, to be specific here, as I uh, wind up the show here shortly, is at the Highland Festival Grounds, the Kentucky Exposition Center. So the Expo Center, which is basically 20 miles from what I understand from downtown. And it's where the rodeos take place. It's where it's like an outdoor convention center for the most part. And it's really nothing cool about it. And the camping has been described as very primitive and not hardly at all what anybody would expect from a camping music festival. So they kind of threw that in there as just something to to entice people to come who don't want to spend $400 a night on hotel rooms. And a lot of people are ending up on concrete, slabs of concrete to camp. What? Camping on concrete? Are you crazy? What's the matter with you? There was a lot of hydration issues uh, as far as getting to uh, to fill up your your water bottle or what you're allowed to take in to the festival grounds. No camel packs or camelbacks or whatever those things are called. I've never actually owned one of those things, but they're huge in festival culture and they don't allow them either. So a lot of things that are making this festival not seem so enticing anymore. But my goodness, does the lineup just I mean speak to me? Just I'm gonna run through it and just give you the names that I love. Just start at the top. Zach Bryan, I don't love, but he's one of the biggest country music stars in the world. Dave Matthews Band, Tyler Childers, Neil Young, Beck, Matchbox 20 I'd love to see. The National is a great act. My Boring Jacket. Yes, of course, My Morning Jacket's going to be there. The War on Drugs is uh, incredible. Whiskey Myers is huge. The Black Pumas. The Beach Boys. Now, to be fair, and that's the Mike Love Band. It's basically a cover band, but... It's still fun. Mount Joy, Young the Giant, Head in the Heart, Melissa Etheridge, Milky Chance, uh, Live Lyle Lovett, The Ex-Ambassadors, Sunny Day Real Estate, as you heard on the uh, rejoin. I don't know if that's the true, real, original Sunny Day Real Estate, because one of those guys is in the Foo Fighters right now, so I'm not sure about that. Dinosaur Jr., Bruce Hornsby, and The Noisemakers is like... Seven rows down on this this lineup. J.J. Gray and Mofro. The War and Treaty I've seen many times, but if they were in the earshot, I'd certainly swing by. The Bacon Brothers, as you already heard. Soul Asylum, one of my favorite bands from the 90s. Sun Vault. The Love of My Life, Jade Bird. Oh, my God. Uh, Suzanne Vega, 90s kids are going to love. The Record Company, Yonder Mountain String Band, Devin Gaffillian, Dwayne Betts, yes, Dickie's son, and that's just the Jerry Douglas bands, Kaleo, The Wallflowers, now I'm just going back here trying to find ones I missed, Chris Isaac, the Tedeschi Trucks Band, Cody Jinks, what did the other dude mention on the front end? Corey Wong, whoever the hell he is, I know he was at Bonnaroo doing the Super Jam, I think it was just last year. This is it's, it's like it's made up. It, it doesn't feel real, but it is real, and it's five, six, or whatever it is, five hours away from Chattanooga. And if Pearl Jam tours, and it'll likely be in the fall with a new record coming out in the spring, then the chances are I am going to be traveling for that instead, and I probably won't end up going. But I might. I don't know. That thing is just, oh, I mean, it's salivating. I am over this thing that I have not seen a music festival that has so much music that I want to see. And it's, it's going to be tough to not do. I'm going to have to have something pretty damn cool going on 
to not give that a try because the chances are I can get free tickets to it. So we'll, we'll see. Got a long way, a long time to think about it. I will be heading to the meet and greet of Alex McVeigh tonight, hosted by Linda and Lee Brock. I will be meeting him for the first time, and I will be asking him about setting up an interview to have him on the best show ever here shortly, I hope, anyway, is the goal. So whatever it is you do this week and into the weekend, enjoy yourself. We're already to February. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. Time flies, and it ain't got a thing to do whether you're having any fun or not. If you're ever at a place where you can review or like or share or any of those things, I'd appreciate it. But if you had a podcast and asked me to do it, I'd tell you, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll do that. I'll take, I'll, I'll, and then I never would. So if you don't, I get it. Thanks to Lee Brock, 653-2491, Lee at lindabrockholmes.com. We'll talk to you again next week. February's here. The spring is on its way. Let's go. I'm ready. I'm ready.